section eight of violet osborne this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. violet osborne by lady emily ponsonby volume one chapter eight grief call it not twas anything but that a conflict of sensations without name the prelude it was a new scene to which violet was introduced on the following day not new to most people nor in itself an uncommon scene of distress but a new scene to her the one small room up three pair of dingy stairs the close suffocating air which emerged from that room now the abode of wasting sickness and poverty and which three weeks before had been the abode of death the comfortless bed the emaciated look of the sick woman and the famine-stricken countenance of the pale fair girl all these things no uncommon sight in this world were new to violet and the sight subdued her there was no word said no arrangement made but as they entered the room a change took place in the common positions of mrs osborne and her daughter it was mrs osborne who unconsciously went forward to speak to help to comfort and violet who as unconsciously drew back mute and awe-stricken the sick mother seemed to lie in a kind of apathy and so had lain her daughter said since her boy's death which had taken place in that room about three weeks before it was only when mrs osborne laid upon the table a small basket of provisions tea broth and arrowroot that her eye brightened into anything like sense or attention the daughter who gave her name as amy white very simply and naturally but tearfully related their misfortunes and said if it had not been for the kindness of one gentleman who had heard of their misery they should now have been starving she looked as lester said too fair and young and helpless to struggle with misfortune and though she expressed her readiness to work yet she seemed at a loss to know how to look for work or what to do with herself in the wide world of london after relieving their present distress and receiving a thankful acquiescence to a proposal suggested by violet for removing them at once into a healthier lodging mrs osborne took leave and violet with a few kind words and kinder looks silently followed her oh mamma she then exclaimed did you know there was such misery in the world yes dear said her mother i am afraid i did i feel as if i could not breathe violet said and sighed and she threw herself back in the barouche in profound thought when she returned home and took off her bonnet she also pulled off all her rings and bracelets with a feeling of disgust then sat down in the window of the drawing-room to indulge in painful reflections the sight of the strange inequality in the measure of good things allotted to human beings cannot but excite reflection in every ardent and thoughtful mind and the first approach of such reflections is overwhelming once violet rose and exchanged her comfortable chair for a hard one and several times her eyes wandered over the luxurious and ornamented room with a gaze of amazement and displeasure she seemed to see at every turn the young lady's figure for lady she was by birth and education in her worn and threadbare suit of black and with her eyes distended by hunger and sorrow 
oh mr lester she exclaimed when at the time appointed lester came in and after hearing a few words from mrs osborne approached her you have made me miserable i can understand that he replied with quick sympathy i was afraid i should for a time but not for long not when you find how much good you can do i do feel so wicked she said and tears gathered in her dark blue eyes and made them shine like the stars only tell me is such misery common of course i knew people were poor but is such horrible misery common not very uncommon i fear then why do we live as we do is it not wicked this room oppresses me why the contents of this room only would save a hundred people from starving you are entering on a very large question he said gravely and not a new one such thoughts i suppose at times trouble us all and should they not she asked anxiously looking up in his face i am sure i cannot say they should not he replied in the same serious manner we do all i doubt not spend more on our luxurious tastes than is strictly right that is a question for every man's own conscience but as to the other question the inequality of men's lots in this world that is plainly an ordinance of god so long as there are any powers that be strength of body or mind or talent or beauty opposed to weakness folly and deformity inequality there must be and the wildest democrat must submit to it when once we allow this the question as a general one is answered but then comes a much more useful one and what is that violet asked i only mean the practical the lessening the inequality by every means in our power relieving the distress that comes before us and if it cannot be done by cutting off our luxuries doing it i am glad you say that violet said eagerly i am sure i should not mind cutting off luxuries i am sure you would not he replied warmly and then added smiling and now may we come to the matter in hand i began to speak of it to mrs osborne but she desired me to come to you because i usually do settle such things but do you know mr lester it was quite changed to-day when i went into that room i felt stupefied i could not think of a word to say while mamma was so wise and kind it made me ashamed of myself surely without reason lester said if you did not expect to see such misery it would have been unnatural not to be surprised by it as we grow older we know such things are and will be and though we feel them we are not amazed but have you thought of any alleviations i am sure you have of removing them at once from that dreadful place yes we settle that but we want your advice as to where and then after that i suppose a small pension for a time at any rate mamma is sure papa will give it lester shook his head i am against pensions where they can be avoided he said but can they be avoided violet said anxiously that poor girl could never work and she could not leave her mother to be a governess even if she was fit for one i will tell you my plan lester said i went to-day to speak to a clergyman on the subject 
a man versed in such cases and he suggested that she should keep a village school it would give her a home for her mother and the work would not be hard he mentioned to me a village in which such a person at this very moment is wanted and he wrote to make further inquiries i was much pleased with the plan where's the village violet asked in dorsetshire you are not satisfied he said looking at her and seeing the cloud on her countenance i am only disappointed she goes and i have done with her i had hoped to be a real friend her pale face took my fancy poor girl and i thought of a thousand kindnesses i could do her do not doubt she will want them lester said i was only afraid of putting too much upon you to hold such a situation she must be respectable or she would not be respected and think of all that her house and her dress and her mother will require to make them respectable i fear you will find only too much required of you nothing can be too much while i have money to give oh how i have wasted my life yes i see yes i see she repeated her eyes brightening and an arch smile playing on her lips for here at any rate you will not forbid me to give here even you will allow that giving is a virtue in moderation he said with a smile only in moderation activity soon banished the cloud of thoughtfulness that had oppressed violet's spirits and with more than her usual fervour she threw herself into the task before her but her charity had not yet learned wisdom and it needed the united efforts and entreaties of her mother and lester to restrain the exuberance of her benevolence a benevolence that threatened to turn the head of her victim and spoil her for ever for the lot in life that was her portion but violet ardent as she was had a mind open to reason and when once the injury she might do was clearly set before her eyes she laid a strong hand upon herself and restrained her generosity lester's plan was a successful one and after some trouble in correspondence and many arrangements large and small amy white and her mother still an invalid but improving in health were settled comfortably in their new abode it was an affair which occupied many weeks there was not only trouble but there were disappointments amy was very helpless and mrs white a grumbler by nature but violet's patience never gave way nor did her ardour lag even albert was obliged to do her justice and allow that it was not the novelty alone that caught her fancy and occupied her attention on the other hand it might possibly have been suggested that the feeling which animated her was not pure benevolence during these weeks the intimacy between her and lester made rapid strides as he was the medium through which all communications to the country clergyman passed his advice or his knowledge were constantly required and having laid the burden of amy's necessities on violet's shoulders he could not refuse to give his time and trouble to assist her in her task with this reflection he satisfied himself when conscience suggested that his steps too frequently turned towards her abode and that his heart beat too rapidly in her presence it would soon be over 
this time of happiness so he argued and once over he would gradually withdraw himself and wean himself from a pleasure that might be bought too dear no sentiment marked this intercourse mrs osborne always and elbert often partook in it the one silently the other criticisingly but nevertheless its freedom and constancy had dangers if danger is the proper word to apply to what might have been for the happiness and benefit of both sides this danger at last suggested itself to albert and remembering that he had been the means of introducing lester into the house he conscientiously pointed it out to mrs osborne i say aunt elizabeth he said one day if this goes on we shall have violet falling in love with lester yes dear replied mrs osborne quietly i saw that from the first day he came here and don't you mind or if you are too unworldly to care about rank and poverty won't my uncle mind don't he wish violet to make a good marriage i think he will be sorry if it should happen so a little sorry without being worldly dear albert we should perhaps like violet to marry some person who could make her more of a queen but you know we told her when she grew up that she was to please herself and we feel the same now she is the best judge of what will make her happy and if she is happy we are happy too you are quite a philosopher albert said smiling well i know what i think she will be a happy woman if she gets lester for a husband but i don't quite see how it is to be managed lester could never propose that is certain he would die in the attempt or even at the mere thought of it he must have a hint if such a thing is to be no dear mrs osborne said laying her hand on his arm never give hints about such things i like to think that marriages are made in heaven and i would leave them to be made there it may after all be a mere fancy on violet's part remember how excitable she is and how soon she changes if they really love each other mr lester will find it out in time and when he has found it out he will not fear to speak for the present it is best to let it alone End of volume one chapter eight